Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Evan Beach. Evan, are you ready to do this? I'm excited. Let's do it. Excellent. Let's do this. Evan is a CFP and AWMA, the Director of Wealth Advisory at Campbell Wealth Management. He's a professional speaker and a frequent contributor to Yahoo, CNBC, Credit.com, Bloomberg, and TheStreet.com. I'm excited to have you on. Evan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Happy to, although that's a loaded question. So <laughs> uh, I'm located in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, which is it's probably about five miles south of Washington, D.C., and I grew up in Bethesda, Maryland, so just on the other side of D.C., uh, youngest of three, which I think is only relevant because I think it's driven me to be unnecessarily competitive. I'd actually be interested to see how many of your guests are the youngest. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, um, I started with ING when I, when I first came into this industry um, about 10 years ago, and I spent six years with ING, and then about four years ago came over to Campbell Wealth. And Campbell Wealth does financial planning for about 450 families, but just for people over 55. So we actually won't take clients below 55, and we're the only firm, the only Barron's Rank firm in the D.C. metro area that has that exclusive focus. So it is very, very much a niche, um, but it's, it's hands-on planning for people over 55. Nice. I like it. Well, since you messaged me, me, men, it, geez, I'm, I'm having a hard time talking this morning. Since you uh, mentioned mentioned unnecessarily competitive, how does that manifest itself? Yeah, so it's, um, I, I came into the industry, I, I guess in a professional setting, I came into the industry in what we think of as the old fashioned way, right? I didn't come through a training program where you're an associate financial planner, you take the CFP exam, and then you learn how to get new clients. I, I read that in reverse, right? So I came through a, a bank channel essentially where they put 25 of us in a room, gave us phones and said, good luck. And I think for most people, that's the absolute wrong way to go. But I think for the competitive person, it could, it could lead to great things as long as you are resilient and have some grit. And, you know, that's still the area in which I practice. Our wealth advisory department does client education, but we're also in charge of business development for the firm. So I think it still helps me day to day. Now, I ended up marrying probably somebody who's more competitive than me. My <laughs> wife is a, um, she's a three-time Division One national champion. Wow. And we have a little girl who is, I fear, going to be kind of a combination of both. She's already running around. She's 14 months, so we may be in trouble. That's awesome. Just encourage her to use her powers for good instead of evil, Evan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gave her a ball when she was about two weeks old. I was like, please practice with this. Yeah. Well, it's time for you to get started. I love it. <laughs> nice. All right. So talk to me a little bit about the 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 issues, the challenges that, that folks who are in your uh, client demographic that they're facing? Yes, that's a timely question. We, um, we just kind of aggregated 
research from the American College, from FPA, to try and figure out what people over 55 think about. And the results were surprising. It was almost two times more than anything else. People were worried about a healthcare event. What happens to me if, and that can manifest its way in so many different arenas, right? It could be, how do I pay for healthcare before 65 if I retire early? How do I pay for Medicare once I have it? What if I end up in a nursing home? But at the end of the day, that question is, I don't want to be a burden to my kids typically, or that concern, I guess. And so healthcare was number one, running out of money was number two. And they were far and away the, the biggest things people thought about. And then I believe number three was making sure that, you know, what I have passes to my kids or to the universe or, you know, whomever without too much issue or too much in tax being paid. And then number four was a market crash. So we always, you know, we always think, oh, people are scared of the market crashing. And theoretically, a market crash would be tied directly to running out of money. But people think much more about running out of money, I guess, than they do a market crash. So those are the things people think about. We tend to do to, to focus more on kind of the life planning side of things. So I try and get people before they even discuss investments, before they slide a statement across my table I want them to identify values. I want them to identify their why. And then from there, develop their lifestyle and location. Where do they want to be? What do they want to be doing in retirement? Then we can develop a budget for that. And then, you know, the investments are just a means to an end there. Got it. I, I appreciate that. So it is, it, it is a really important transition that I don't know that everybody thinks about necessarily. And that's moving from the saving of money to the actual using of money, right? Yeah. So how do you coach people through that process? I, I, I guess you just told me it's a matter of clarifying, crystallizing the values, really figuring out what it is you want. And obviously there's going to be an educational component of how to avoid the big problems that we were just talking about, like the healthcare event, running out of money. Yeah, so I think a lot of people use the, the Everest example Right, so you, when you climb Everest, you're going to be using different muscles than on the descent, and you're actually more likely to die on the descent. I think people understand that example. I, um, you mentioned earlier in the show, I do some speaking. I speak about 75 times a year, and one of the, the presentations I do, I start with a story about my dad. And my dad is actually, or what I should say, was a very competitive marathoner. So he ran... I think he's run Boston 17 times under two hours and 40 minutes. He ran New York in 226. He was very, very good. But what the things that got him to that level, to the point where he was almost winning these races, are the exact same things that will hurt him if he were to do them now. And so the idea is what got him there won't get him to where he's going. And so that I tell that story and I say, look, you know, if you're going to swing for the fences, you're going to try and run a hundred miles a week, right? When you retire, you're going to get hurt. And those are the things that you have to think differently about retirement. And, and so when we're thinking about, okay, should you hire us? Should you work with Campbell wealth? It's, it's not that we are better than, as I look out my window right now, there's literally a Schwab office, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, Merrill Lynch, Edelman. I can see all of those offices. It's not that we're better than them. We're just different than them. And so everything we do is focused on, 
okay, how do you start to pull that money down? And it's kind of ridiculous. Nobody has an income plan. I think I've seen one person come in and say, this is my income plan. Here's where my money's going to come from. But when you go to work, people say, here's how much we're going to pay you. Here's how it's going to be taxed. People don't have that in retirement. Right. So it's, it's trying to, to educate people that, okay, you need this, but you can't come up with this until you come up with the lifestyle side of things. So the most important thing is really getting that clarity on what you want your lifestyle to look like. And that's yeah. it's, it's everything, right? It's traveling, it's, it's spending, it's, it's all those things. Yeah, and I think the challenge from a business perspective with that is it's a huge barrier to entry. It's very easy to get somebody to gather their statements. It's hard to get somebody to sit down with their spouse or to sit down by themselves and say, here's what I want to do over the next 30 years. You know, we're so, I always say we live in the Amazon society where we can order a new car with one click. And so you have to get people to take the time to say, here's what's important to me. And we have different ways in which we do that. But I think that's really step one to get people tied into those goals. And why is that so hard? Just because they've never done it? They've never done it, but I think there's, it's exciting to plan a vacation, right? Sure. But it's, it's easier to find excuses than it is to find opportunities. And so when people build their identity around where they work and they spend eight or 10 hours, a lot of people come to this area just to work. And when they retire, they, they move away. And so for those working years, it, it can be intense. And they build an identity around that. That's how they define themselves. And so you're, you're asking somebody to redefine who they are in a different phase of their life. And I think it's, it's easier just to shut your eyes to that. It's like, unless your dentist forces you to come every six months, you typically don't end up at a financial planner until something goes wrong. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. And we are awfully good at, at avoiding things that aren't the most exciting thing. I, I, I like the mm-hmm. idea that excuses are easier than opportunities. I think that that's, that that's very true. Um, and we do talk a lot about, you know, how people plan for the vacation way more than they plan for retirement. But this is a whole other thing, right? It's figuring out what you want your lifestyle to be and then actually having a plan for your income. And I don't think that, you know... I think it's very, very few, to your point, people really think about what that really means. Like, well, what do you mean? I, I saved all this money in my 401k. Didn't, didn't I already do the job? Yeah. So walk yeah, us through. It's, I think from a planning perspective, that's where the hard work starts to begin. I mean, it's, it's well, and maybe it's not harder. It's just, as I said before, it's totally different. So, so how does how taking into consideration the health care, taking into consideration running out of money, money going to kids, the market, um, how, how do you start to unpack that? Well, I mean, we have you, you know access to, to the same things everybody else does. So we use Right Capital as our financial planning software. And when you, if, if I can figure out the, the pieces of, of what people want to do, where they want to be, then I can start to tie numbers to that. But I, I think the, the biggest thing about retirement planning is that the, the biggest, I'm sorry, the, 
the best financial planner is probably not going to be the person who is the most technically strong. I think the people who will be most successful with the retirement planning are the people who run their plans most frequently. So, for example, when we put in, you know, a big thing that throws everybody's plan off is, well, what if you end up in a nursing home? Sure. And that, I mean, if you look at the statistics here, it costs $138,000 a year to have a private room in a nursing home. Gosh. And so if you inflate that at whatever the inflation rate is, and it used to be like 5%, I think it was 5.4%, you inflate that for 20 years, that's going to make basically everybody run out of money. And so we're constantly looking at the data and saying, okay, what does it look like now? Are men typically ending up in nursing homes? Actually, they're not. Typically, men get home health care. Okay, how much does home health care cost? What's it going to do to the wife's situation if she's taking care of her husband? And then once the husband passes, then the women typically do need nursing care. So it's just a matter of, it, once you get to the numbers, it's a matter of being an expert in that field and knowing what's going on. In the last few years, actually, we've seen deflation in terms of cost for facilities here. And I don't know exactly what that is, but we're constantly updating this. We're constantly updating inflation. Um, our portfolios are managed differently in that we are all domestic. So you probably have people who are listening right now cringing, saying you're, you don't have any international stock. <laughs> it's different when you're pulling money out. Right. Right. You, you want consistency. And so I'm not going to have emerging markets in a portfolio where I'm looking for consistency. And so you just do everything a little bit differently, but more than that, you do it more frequently, I think. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. All right, so so folks arrive um, as, as clients at your firm. They're 55 years old. I have to imagine that they're probably, that they've probably been financially successful because if there's no assets, then there's really not an income plan. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to live off Social Security or not, or, 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 or just have to keep working. So these are folks that probably have managed to accumulate some kind of assets. Do you, do, do you find that looking across these, I think you said 400 or so families, um, that, there's, that there's common habits or through lines or is it just simply that they're good savers? Yeah, it's it's not. We we work with. I, I, it's tough to call these people mass affluent because if you look nationwide, they wouldn't be considered mass affluent. But we work with regular people that that had government jobs, or they had. Uh, we have a lot of people who are retired military, worked for government contractors, and retired. Um, so they had normal jobs. It, it, they didn't have the seven-figure incomes. They didn't sell businesses. We have a few of those, but that's definitely definitely not our typical client. It, they are the people who maxed out their 401ks, who knew what they were spending during their working years. I mean, the people who just were were fundamentally strong. And so I always tell people it's not about it's not about money. It's about decisions. And so usually we get people who made good decisions to get to where they are. Now they need to make different decisions to get to where they're going. I think that's awesome right there. It's not about money. It's about the decisions you make. And you mentioned that earlier. <clears throat> what what got you here is 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 not going to get you home necessarily, but you already obviously have the discipline to do these things. Now it's just figuring out and applying that personal discipline you have in, in a different way. And now granted, it's going to be 
maybe uncomfortable to have these conversations, to have these thoughts, but but you are well equipped to to be able to do this. You're, you're probably going to yeah. be successful at it. And and I think a lot of our clients die rich, and what, however mm. you define rich, because the people who save to get to retirement, they were disciplined savers. They're the people who have the most trouble spending money in retirement. And for some people who are listening to this and they think that that's crazy, you know, how could anybody be in that situation? But that's a real thing, right? It's either you spend all your money way too fast or there's a lot of people out there that that are so frugal and they're so scared of running out of it. They're so scared of market crashes that they end up just like like you said, dying with a ton of money. <clears throat> yeah, and that's that it, it, I I heard somebody else say this, so I can't take credit. It I, oftentimes you have people who live the, the just in case retirement so that they're so hesitant to spend their money just in case they end up in a healthcare facility or just in case they need to help out their kids. And so all the things they wanted to do, their kids get to do, they don't get to do. So I think a big part of our job is sometimes just providing permission. So I, I have people come in all the time. They're like, yeah, we've been talking about this, this trip, uh, to Normandy. I've actually heard the Normandy one a few times and it costs 15 grand. You know, we, we've never spent that much on a trip. And I, I say to people, I said, what if we gave you permission to do it? We said, look, here's what the impact would be. And you'd still be successful if you did it. Would you do it? And almost always people say yes. So a lot of times it's just us giving permission to people to spend their money. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful thing. And that right there is the is the power of, of having a plan and, and going through the process that we've been talking about, because then you'll know, you'll, you'll know that, no, you can't do it. There's not a chance. Or you'll know that, yeah, you, you, you absolutely can go ahead and do this. And not only that, but you can really enjoy yourself while you're there. So such a powerful thing. Well, Evan, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? So I, I think, you know, we, we've, We've always, or we've heard many times, you know, think bigger. I, I think for retirees, oftentimes the best tip I can give is, is think sooner. So I, I mentioned my dad is a big marathoner. So on April, I think it was, I can't remember if it was April 15th or April 13th of 2013, we were all in Boston. It was my dad's 47th Boston Marathon. And so he was, he was actually, he's got this streak in Boston. He was going to break the record. And so my whole family, my whole extended family was up there and we had grandstand passes. And if you remember 2013, that was the year of the terrorist attacks in Boston. And so we're all supposed to be at the finish line. My dad got injured at mile 10 and walked the rest of the race. Well, I shouldn't say the rest of the race. We got stopped at mile 22, but my whole family would have been, at the finish line, had he not been injured. Oh my gosh. And I, I think a lot of people have stories like that. Cause I'll tell that story in front of a crowd and I, you know, I'll have people come up to me after that, you know, I was supposed to get on, you know, we've heard the September 11th, um, you know, I was supposed to be on that plane, but this happened. Um, and, and I think a lot of people have a story like that. So George Kinder, who does the, the life planning, he has an awesome question and I encourage people to do this is, you know, if you went to the doctor today and they said, I know you've lived a healthy life, but today's your last day. And you went home and you thought about the things that you missed out on any dreams that went unfulfilled, 
what would that look like? What are those things? And if you take them, we actually have people do this before they come into our office. You take them and you prioritize, you create a list and you say, here are the things I'm going to prioritize over the next two years, and here's my plan to get to them. It's not just thinking about the big things you want to do, but doing them now because you just don't know. Like that is great stuff. That definitely gets come on, come on. And no, we 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 absolutely don't know. And I think that that's awesome advice: is think sooner rather than bigger, or, or uh, certainly certainly later. So good stuff, uh, Evan. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Yeah, so we're at www.campbellwealth.com. Campbell like the soup. Uh, Twitter at Campbell Wealth. And Facebook at Campbell Wealth. <laughs> it's the same everywhere. We're across every platform. Smart. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Evan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to CampbellWealth.com. Check out all the good stuff they've got going on. Follow them on social media. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Evan. All right. Thanks, George. It was fun. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there you can just go to the website i'll also list that in the notes of the show what's up savage nation please support the show by subscribing leave us a review and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it come on